Hi, and welcome to another episode of Northwest Five Podcast with myself, John Cleary, Director of Software Development at 360 Insights, and my co-host, Zach Giorgio, owner at Chroma Recruitment. We launched this podcast so that you could get to know the great companies and opportunities Manchester and Northwest has to offer, and also the amazing stories our guests have to tell. We've had guests like Adia Lijaz, Nick Rowe, Kate Wood. If you'd like to hear any of those stories, they're available to download from wherever you get podcasts. We hope you're going to enjoy this episode. So let's get started. Uh, today, we have Victoria Bond from Space HR. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you very much. Victoria, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we really want to hear about you and Space HR. Do you mind just, do you want to start with what Space HR is? Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so SpaceHR are an employee engagement agency. So we are all things employee engagement. So anything about really turning up the performance of your team, your people through uh, through employee engagement. And um, what we've just launched is an employee engagement survey platform that works via WhatsApp. Okay. Oh, brilliant. Okay, that's really that's really like quick and snappy. I guess that's the. The key behind that, right? And what about, so tell me about you then, before we get into the deep of Space HR, how did you get to this point to start your own business? Oh, right. Okay. So um, I spent, so really quick uh, career history then. So I spent uh, about 10 years in a really large global uh, automotive company. And I did, ended up, by the time I left there, heading up their uh, digital and media businesses. So kind of dipped my toe in into tech. Then went and uh, worked for Manchester Airport for a bit, looked after very sexy buses and car parking. But what a great job that was. It was brilliant. Um, and then I got headhunted um, and moved across into um, Volcanic. And, uh, I was their HR director and I was I was brought on to, um, to come and kind of mature their business, if you like, ready for sale. And then when we sold that business successfully, I... Then uh, went across into Access, who was the business that, that bought Volcanic. I headed up their mergers and acquisitions team for a bit. And then um, lockdown happened. I was off having a baby. And I, um, I had this real kind of life is too short moment and just thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to, uh, you know, life is too short. I'm just going to go and set up my business. That's what, I, that's what I want to do. And kind of, I think it's nine months later, here I am. Fantastic. And... That's really interesting. I do know a little bit about Volcanic because I've um, I've had a bit of a connection with them in the past because we we work in the same sort of technology space, um, and that yeah I think you've sort of played that down a bit because that company grew and grew like over sort of was it like eight years or something? How how much of that journey were you on? Oh, so I I kind of came in right at the end actually. Okay. Um, so so the idea was I I um, joined that business. Um, you know, thinking we were a bit further away from sale than we were really. And, and then it all kind of happened really quite quickly. Um, so, yeah, so I'd love to, to take some of the, the glory for that business. But, um, but actually, I kind of came in right at the end. Right, so you just, <laughs> but you whipped them into shape. That's how, oh, I'm, yes. that's how I'm. Yeah, brilliant. Put, <laughs> put, the, put the final touches or whatever it was uh, to make that um, business saleable. Yeah, and I think, do you know, I think really quickly when we knew that a sale was was imminent, it became about prepping for that. It became about change management. It became about, it, you know, making sure that all our ducks were in a row to be to be acquired in a fantastic way. It, you know, it, it kind of shifted into something else, I guess. 
And that, that, what's fascinating for me about that is you sort of hear and you believe out there in this sort of atmosphere that ultimately all businesses are already prepped for sale and stuff like what's quite interesting is there's almost uh, without sort of alluding to it wasn't prep for sale but there's almost an argument to say it was the tech that it got it there or or, or the product that it had it there and then actually it was towards the end from what you're saying that you came in and you got the processes in place and all the other parts is that is that arguably what happened no I, th- I think they they always knew that sale was was kind of what one of the end goals I guess so you know they they really had started with the end in mind they were they were aligned there it was just that you know they they kind of needed somebody to to accelerate it a bit really you know particularly if you you are going into a larger organization um where the HR function you know that will be maturer um you know uh, the the founders of, of Volcanic kind of said well Actually, let's invest in that now because that makes sense for for where we're going. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because obviously it's like sort of prepping it before the actual bit of going, there you go, let's pass it on. Because ultimately anyone, somebody always buys something with a lot more to go don't they? Nobody ever purchased something that's like, that's it, it's done. Oh, yeah. yeah. Take somebody out the game. Um, with relation to Volcanic and sort of not just talking about that, but obviously we know that they were quite heavily involved in the in the recruitment space and, you know, recruitment websites and, and, and particularly, well, from what I heard, some of the best websites that they created and analytics and everything that came with it. Um, is that what made you then sort of start thinking about Space HR because of that reason? Yeah, I think... I think where Space HR came from was a number of things. I think um, a real kind of passion of mine about when I really sat down and thought, what's the business that I want to run? And I thought back about the work that I'd really enjoyed delivering in my career, it what it always came back to employee engagement. Um, and, you know, I, I really, really love that impact that when you get it right you know it, it you can you can really see the visible results on an organization and on an individual as well you know we sometimes um when i'm feeling particularly um you know misty eyed i'll talk about kind of improving people's working lives um you know and and that's kind of the the work um that uh, that i did really and and you know we we are um we we would really love to work with within the recruitment space one because that's an industry that we're really comfortable with two because i see the potential there you know i see the impact that that i and and our product can make in that industry so brilliant Gone, Zach. You got your hand up. Sorry, John. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It was just, it was that moment. It's probably gone now. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it's quite an interesting one that because you know, recruitment, and, and I don't know, John. Maybe you could sort of tell me more about that. But recruitment is notorious for a revolving door, isn't it? It's notorious for people not being able to sort of get through. You know, a lot of juniors come in and don't realise how how hard it actually is. So you know, I can sort of see how you would be interested in that particular space because I think it's a big thing for all recruiting businesses, making sure that their staff are happy. I mean, I don't know if tech's the same, but I think people generally move on from tech businesses because they want new challenge rather than in recruitment where people just 
find it really difficult. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not as easy as what some people think it is. You know, you hear, oh, you can earn loads of money, but actually it's not just about that. You know, things have changed as well over the years. I, I think they have. And I think what I've seen, particularly in that industry is, you know, um, they've always been called recruitment consultants, haven't they? And I think that consultancy part is is heavier than it's ever been. You know, I was, I was talking to an agency owner the other day and she was telling me about the way that she partners with her clients you know, she was going into kind of workforce planning and, and all this kind of real strategic value that she was adding into her businesses. And so, you know, I, th- I think that that role isn't job boards and CVs anymore. That's not what it's about. It's not a numbers game anymore. So, so I think, it, you know, I, th- I think actually every single individual now is, is more valuable to that agency than they ever have been. So retention is more important. You know, it's important that they really are kind of aligned and they want to deliver at their best because they're more valuable. They're doing more valuable work. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely, I, I agree 100%. And I've said it for years and years and years that, you know, the, the keys in the title consultant, you know, that's what you should be doing. You should be consulting with your clients. It shouldn't be just a sales job. You know, yeah. if it was just a sales job, then there's loads of sales jobs out there. It should be about adding value, giving back, making sure you're working with that client to understand what the market is. It's like if you go to anybody, you know, whether that's a tech recruiter or whether that's a finance recruiter or, you know, somebody selling sofas, you know, you go in there for a reason. You're going because of their expertise. So they should be consulting with you, not just trying to get some CVs in there and get a sale through the line, you know, particularly when it's dealing with people's careers, because it's really, really important you know even if you don't get it wrong it get it right every single time because ultimately when people go there things might be different but ultimately as long as you're doing that part of the job consultant is what's absolutely key yeah and do you know the other thing that i think plays into uh, employee engagement in that industry is if you so think about linkedin so you know the a really great consultant will will have quite um a, a good presence on LinkedIn or whatever platform they're using. And there's almost like an employee advocacy that you've got to have there. You know, that you've got to, you're an agency owner, you've got to trust your team that they're going to present themselves and your business in the best possible light when they're out there doing the thing on social media. And that can only come if they're representing the values of the business because they understand them and, you know, and, and they've got that, in, that engagement. Well, we are the first line. If you, if you engage with us and we consult correctly with you and we've had that conversation with you, we actually should be the first line and representation of your brand. You know, if yeah. we're recruiting for, for John's business, you know, we should really understand that business and make sure that we've engaged with you in a certain way and consulted with you in a certain way to make sure that actually the reason that we're suggesting that you should do it this way and not that way is because that's best practice. That's the feeling, you know, anybody that's going to start a new job wants to know throughout that whole process that actually this is a great experience because if it's a great experience along the way, then what does it mean when you start? It's going to be a great experience when you start. So we're actually brand ambassadors for any client that we work with. And that's why I think you need to consult because ultimately you might have an idea in a way of this is how we recruit, but actually the market might not be like that. 
So there's that education piece on both parts, particularly a market that's so hot, which it is at the moment. So I, th- I think, Zach, there's probably not enough said about that because uh, hiring managers probably maybe don't realize that, you know, you are their, bl- their brand ambassador for that business. You're making first contact. You know, we all know what people, how important first connections are with, with businesses. You know, we'll, obviously you'll eventually move away and they'll be working with that business. But, you know, it's the impression to get. It was the recruiter nice to me. Were they pushy? Did they present the job well? Did they, you know, did, what, what did they tell me about the business? And I think hiring managers need to take ownership of that and speak to their recruiters and actually two-way consult. Like, what, what are you going to say about my business you know, how are we going to get that message out? Absolutely. And, and, and the thing is with it, you know, my, my, my best client, I know them inside out. I have a conversation with the IT director once a week. We know everything about their business and know how it operates and know what type of people that they're looking for, know what the squads look like and know how the whole process works and why it's such a great proposition to a particular candidate. So the thing is, by doing that, you're setting your stall out correctly. So when you are pre-screening people when you are interviewing people you know our job is to filter down if our job isn't to filter down it's to send a load of cvs and ultimately you should be just doing it yourself (laughs) you know so our job is to break it down in that particular way all of those things if you wrap them all up together that becomes a consultative approach which in turn hopefully should then enable you to get the better people the right fit and more importantly, as you say here, retention and engagement, because ultimately they're already the right people in the first place. Yeah, quite right. Yeah. And when you obviously you know, let's get, I mean, I want to bring it back to the engagement thing, Victoria, because mm. once you've got the right people in, right, we've got to engage them. So, are, you know, would you describe your business then as a like a tech platform or are you a service company? Well, how do you how do you view it? You know, what's right. So when we when we first started talking about this tech platform, uh, and so what we've built is the capability to uh, to deliver surveys via WhatsApp, and then we've built a dashboard that pulls in your data, it pulls in your feedback. You can chat to your employees via it. So there's kind of some two way um, two way feedback that we're getting. So when we first built it, we were like, all right, well we're just going to do that thing, you know, where you just let people sign up online and they can just, you know, whatever. So um, and we'll just sell like hundreds of them, um, and uh, and <laughs> we we went through a couple of trial uh, clients, and you know, and the feedback that we got was actually we really loved the tech; it was great. Thanks very much. But actually, some of the real value that we got out of it was the consultancy that Victoria wrapped around it. So, so it then became a much more, it, it's, it's a managed service as we call it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm working with the clients to understand their business, build them surveys and questions that's going to get them insight that's, that's relevant for them at the moment and they can do something with it. And then obviously we'll run the survey, we'll use the tech and then out the other side, we'll, we'll talk about what's the stories I've seen, you know, what, what does that, do, what you're actually going to do with it? Yeah. What's your next step? That's funny. I'm, it, I see a parallel with my own business because they're, they rebranded to 360 insights because the customers that they had were saying, yes, we've got tons of data about our, our sales. What does it mean? What are we going to do yeah. with it now? And I said, like, that's what you're doing. You're doing both. People don't want one or the other. They want both. It's, you know, you've got the tech to back it up but you've got the expertise to do something with it afterwards. 
Yeah, and I think you know one of the one of the reasons why uh, we've built the product as it is is through sheer frustration of of kind of my HR career of these big enormous annual surveys with loads of questions done on an email um, that you get pestered to do uh, and and by the time you're two thirds of the way through it, you've lost the will to live. And then, and then all the all the leaders get like overwhelmed with all this all this data and all these dashboards, and then nothing ever happens because they've just got overwhelmed by it all. So we've we've built the opposite. You know, it's short, it's sharp, it's and it's I make sure it's actionable, um, so that you know, and uh, so that actually it it delivers an impact every time you're doing it, and you're not just doing it for the sake of it. That's great. And yeah, you say people lose the will to live two thirds of the way through and I'm surprised they get that far. Yeah. I, I have done those in my in previous <laughs> roles and nobody looks forward to end of year just for that reason. And that's like it's everything that's wrong about it gives HR a bad name. And some to be fair, well, I'm probably not being fair, but there are some awful HR systems out there from mm. certainly not just from a tech perspective, but from a UI and UX perspective, some are awful. So I'm, I'm hoping I've not, I'll have to have a look at yours and, and uh, give it the once over. I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think the interesting part about that is, is that it, it's your full on wraparound service, but it's also um, from, from the sounds of it, I presume it's something that's sort of quite agile as well. So you can do a survey at the snap of the fingers. And I think what generally happens is, you know, whilst a huge amount happens in a year, it's a short period of time, but a huge amount happens. And you could go through a period within your business where you lo lose loads of people because of the fact that you're doing yearly survey. Whereas from what you're saying, it seems like it's a lot snappy, it's a lot quicker. If you sense anything within your business, you can do something quickly. It's it's, it's agile in, 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 in all its senses, but more importantly, you know, agility is one thing, but the wraparound service is the key there afterwards, isn't it? Because you can throw out as many surveys as you want if nobody does anything about it. No. Uh, you know, it, nothing, nothing happens, does it? Yeah, and I think, you know, I think there's a couple of things there. I think it what you've identified is something that I, you know, I really believe in as well, that it's a great change management tool as well. You know, if you've changed something in your business or you know you've delivered a big message you want to make sure it's landed well go and ask the team did it land well you know what else do we need to do to, to pick up on it and um i think the other thing is if you think about it it's a really bizarre concept saying i only care about the 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 feedback and the opinion of my employees once a year that's really odd isn't it if you think about it yeah. um and then to then not go and do anything with that information once they've taken the time to give it to you I and mean, use a really strong word. It's just straight up disrespectful, you know, and then that's when those tools and those those platforms and the surveys become actually really quite damaging. They, they do the opposite to what they're trying to do. Well, people leave for three reasons, don't they? One is they don't like management. Two yeah. is the money's not right. Yeah. or three there's no career development slash opportunity so if we're talking about the third one there in career development and opportunity unless you're surveying your people you're doing your one-to-ones correctly and you're doing the rest of the stuff correctly you know you'd argue that some people if they've got the career development opportunity they realize it's not just about the money or if it's you know each way around you can look at it in different ways but 
when it comes to it, they are the main three reasons. It's it's management, money, or or where am I going? <laughs> yeah, because it, it you know some when when I start off working with their client, you know, I'll say right, tell me about what activity you're doing with employee engagement. And sometimes it's like they tell they reel off all this stuff that they're spending money on, you know, with these beers on a Friday or whatever. It doesn't matter, um, but it's you know when we then do a survey, if this stuff missing like one-to-ones or you know the the real stuff that actually is the kind of the fundamentals actually you can give them as many beers as you want on a friday afternoon it's just sprinkling glitter on something that isn't quite <laughs> right do you know what i mean yeah no definitely um can i can we get into some nitty-gritty then because oh. I, yeah i'd like to know can you give examples, anonymized, obviously, <laughs> of successes, right? I'm not, I mean, okay, if you want to tell horror stories, I'm, I'm all ears. But yeah, maybe, maybe one little horror story, but a couple of successes of things that you've, you know, you've sent a survey, you've got a, a particular response, you've interpreted for the client, and you've made some change, and then you did another survey, and now everything's brilliant. Let's get one of those right. stories. Okay, so let me tell you a really extreme example of a client that I'm really enjoying working with at the moment. Okay, so um, this is, and I'm going to name it. Can I name them? Is that all right? Because they deserve as long as, the, as, long, as long as they're happy with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we're, not, we're not going to jail for it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, not going to name them. No. <laughs> now John switched it up a little bit. <laughs> oh my god! Right, okay, right. So I'm going to name them, and then if we need to edit it out afterwards, we've got my <laughs> back right. That's okay. great. We're not lying. So this is um, a business that I've been working with called Beam, and they're a, they're a research, um, uh, like kind of market research uh, agency, and um, quite a small team. And we did it. We did their first survey, um, and um, Amy, the MD, was like, "Oh, I just don't know what to expect. I'm dead nervous." And I'm sat here thinking, "These results are going to be cracking. She's got nothing to worry about here." Uh, did did their first survey and their results were no exaggeration like almost full marks like just incredible to the point where I got the team to go and check the maths in the background I was like can we just make sure that we've that something's not happened here because this is like I've never seen anything like it right so she's got a really engaged team so I was thinking, oh my God, like, what is the conversation that I'm, you know, what advice can I give to Amy? Because Amy could probably come and give me some advice about employee engagement at this point. But actually, the conversation that we had was, right, so my analogy about employee engagement is it's like a bank account. So the more credit you've got in your bank, the more engagement you've got in the bank, the more things you can go and buy for your business, right? Still with me. so (laughs) so amy had loads of credit in her bank so we talked about what you're going to go and do with it then what you're going to do because you can make quite a lot of change in your business you know you can um you can ask some more from your team you know you can take some more risks you're still going to be really in credit what you're going to do and there was a couple of other things that came together. You know, it, it, I, I won't take full credit for it. So check back in uh, when it's time to, uh, like I always do, you know, just before the next survey. And she's opened up an international division to her business. Wow. And part of the reason she's done that 
is because she knew that that team were behind her. That's brilliant. She knew that I mean, she had them in the bank. Yeah, I, I've never heard that analogy before, or not used in that way. And I think it's really powerful, actually, to say. Uh, and obviously, the reverse must also be true. You have got no wiggle room because you have not you have not been putting in the groundwork, and you cannot. You know, you need to actually pay back that on those debts that you've been uh, drawing down on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think either way, you know, ultimately you can't lose as long as you action it, can't you? You know, if you do a survey and like you've just said there, you know, um, you've got loads of credits in the bank. Fantastic. Brilliant. How do you build upon it? And if you are in deficit and it's red flashing lights, it's how do you change it? Do you know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. ultimately... There's a job for you, Victoria, isn't there? Whatever happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's it, it, it's brilliant, and I think, I, I, you know, I think I think sometimes what what business has a tendency to do, arguably, is is maybe even shy away from it because they're scared of some of the answers that they're going to get, and I'm sure oh, you've seen that loads yeah. of times in your career. Yeah, I, I have. And and it is, it's really quite a brave thing to do, particularly if you're the owner of that business. You know, you've got to, it is, you're really putting yourself out there going and asking for that payback. And I have found sometimes the, the cycle from me saying, right, let's do a free trial and, I've, you know, let me get you up and running and all the, to actually press and send can sometimes take a little bit longer than I would like to but that's because they're getting themselves ready you know you you've got to be ready to to take that feedback because if I you know if I if my platform gets you a load of feedback and you're just going to go into reactive mode about it you know I'm, I, we're not going to get the best out of that process you've got to be ready for it so, so can I just bring up something about so you worked at Volcanic you were there to get them ready for the sale and then you went into a mergers and acquisitions role in your next so again yeah. exactly in the same skill set if you like but I'm curious if uh, employee NPS or company or employee engagement or however you're measuring it is considered a part of a company asset now it would would people take that into account because it feels like it could be based on the story you've just told us so I, I've got a real thing that about valuable teams, if you like, because I've seen, I've seen that. So, you know, and I know what it took to, to get the team ready to go, to go through that acquisition. And those individuals did that, you know, I, I just, I, I was there at the time, if you know what I mean, but I, you know, on the other side, you know, I think I, I did that um, acquisition role for, probably about six months I did six acquisitions in six months and I could I could tell the difference between a team that were engaged and a team that weren't and it's it's one of the the reasons why I built again I built the tool as it as it is I built the tool that I want I wished I had <laughs> um you know and and um if I think about the due diligence process that we went through you know the the um with volcanic they they wrote out to our clients and um and asked how they felt about it you know and they did some real due diligence and actually they just took my word for it with the team you know and and actually if i'd have had that tool and there's a confidentiality thing i get that but you know if if there is data that you can present to a potential purchaser that says you know what i've got this awesome team and let me show you some data I, I really believe that adds 
actual pound notes value. Yeah, I, I, I think it must do. And it must also make, know that it's the acquisition is going to be easier. Like it's going, there's going to be less trouble along the way. It's going to be a smoother path. So even if you're not going to put a value on it, you know that it's going to have a better outcome. Yeah, yeah, totally. Zach, I thought you were going to say something now. You gone blank. Gone. It's gone. <laughs> you're thinking about my it's gone. question. Totally gone. I was going to try and switch it up again, but it's completely gone. Um, yeah, that's it. It's back. So, Victoria, you gave us a great example there of a business that was doing all the right things and it was in the bank. Um, can you give us an example, obviously anonymous, where we've had a company that, that weren't necessarily doing the right things and there was disengagement and through the surveys, we were able to really turn it around. And, you know, what are the, what are the I mean, ultimately it always comes down to what the answers are to the questions, but there must be some common themes that always run throughout it i would imagine you know it's not always going to be wild and wacky is it there'll be some common themes so what what are those types of things you know so if our listeners are listening they're thinking mm, okay that's interesting right so I'm, I'm having a lot of conversations about work-life balance at the moment as you can imagine and what returning to the office looks like and um it's you know, the, there is a gap that's opening up. And sometimes the gap in engagement is around just some, when we've dug into it, it's about inconsistencies. It's about lack of clarity about what the plan is or whatever. And sometimes it's about, you know, you, you make, you're forcing me one way or another and it's not what I want. Um, so that d there's definitely a piece around that. And then um, the other one that I would say that, that often comes up is one-on-one -on -one time with with people managers so you know one-to-ones or whatever that looks like to say uh, you know it's 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 often the things that get missed in the diaries isn't it like oh, I'm dead busy so I'll just cancel Bob's one-to-one -one. um because it's not that important to me but you know what it really is to them and it it, it plays out in in the in the surveys for sure yeah. I think also missing the one-to-ones is quite a, uh, what's the word? I wouldn't say disrespectful, but, you know, you're saying whatever I've got on is more important than talking to you. Um, so that is, it would be better if it wasn't in the diary in the first place than you cancelling them all the time. But I, what about, I mean, but the other thing, what you've got one-to-ones in there, you're meeting them on a regular basis. And, you know, we all know it's important to have effective one-to-ones. It's not just a nice chat and a cup of tea. It has to be some, <laughs> yeah. um, there has to be something out of, you know, some action, some process. Do you work in that area as well? Do you get sort of gather feedback on how effective one-to-ones are in businesses? Um, don't, but I can share my view with you. If yeah. that, so I've always done one-to-ones. Uh, hold on, let me go back a step. I, I think sometimes when you're in a leadership role, it's dead easy to get lost still and so consumed in the, in the doing of your role. And actually being a leader is about facilitating the success of other people. And you need to make sure that you've got time to do that. And, and I mean significant time, you know, it, it should be the, the majority of your role. So then flipping back in to one-to-ones, to 
I've always run one-to-ones of like, what's your blockers? What can I do to make you go faster? What do you want to achieve? So not looking backwards, they're looking forward. So recognition and job well done. And, you know, that should be in the moment. So no, don't gloss over anything that's happened and been achieved. But those meetings, my view is they should be forward looking. What can I do to make you go faster? You know, what can I do to facilitate your success? Yeah. You, you're I, not I, got, sorry, I'm I, not going to interrupt you because I've it twice now <laughs> and you've forgotten what you were going to say. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to think that I've forgotten again, aren't you? That's why you're going to let me go. Um, it's gone. I'm sorry, Zach. Oh, I really am. No, what a day today's been. It's oh, raining now and everything. And I forgot why I was going to interrupt you. <laughs> That's We're it. Just... Mine, mine's back. Mine's back. Don't say anything, John. <laughs> um, I think sometimes the other thing is as well, you know, I completely get that about, you know, how they're going to go faster and stuff like that. But I think sometimes what, well, certainly what I've seen within my industry, um, with these newbies that have come through, with these people that um, have... Um, developed or started coming through and stuff like that they get to a point where they get frustrated because they're not quite getting where they want to get to and I think sometimes turning around somebody and saying yeah we want you to run faster but actually just realize what you've learned along the way you've come so far you've done so much and I think people forget people get frustrated that they're not where they want to be And I think what I've always found as a manager is just sitting down with somebody and going, stop, stop. Let's just have a second. Let's just think, what did you know six months ago? What did you know 12 months ago? What did you know 18 months ago? It's fantastic that you want to be over here, but, and let's go for that. But equally, don't get frustrated. Take your time. You know, there's so much in any business. I think this is, we're so conditioned to doing everything today. You know, everybody wants everything now, you know, and I think society's created that, you know, from, from the internet, you know, being able to type a piece of information and getting an answer with a click of a fingers, you know, back in mine and John's days, it wasn't like that, was it? You know, you had no, to, <laughs> you had to go and buy a magazine or go to the library exactly. on a bus. Exactly. <laughs> Encyclopedia. Which page is that? Yeah, you've definitely <laughs> forgotten your question by the time you get there, Zach. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but, you know, and I think people always do want to run faster. I think it's important people do run faster, but I think yeah. people should always recognise, you know, that they've come from somewhere as well. You know do what I mean? Know, it's important yeah. to know that inside, how far you've come. And, you know, what a great conversation that is to have with an employee. And, I, I, you know, they must feel so valued, so recognised, so seen. Um, you know, and, and supported and yeah, to take the time to, to have that conversation, even if you aren't delivering the outcome that they want, the next promotion or whatever, actually you've spent some really, you've had a really great quality conversation with them then. That's really valuable. One thing I'm curious about though, if you, if you talk to someone and say, how can I help you go faster? Is there any chance that could get misconstrued as you're not going fast enough? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just devil's advocating it here. Maybe, you know, it's, it's in the tonality. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I do, you, you, know your, you would know your team best and how to land that message. And I think the other thing that's important in there is it's not always work. So we need to think about the whole person. And so sometimes the answer to how can I make you go faster or how can I succeed or whatever, sometimes the answer is 
I'm struggling personally or you know I've got I, I really need some help with childcare or whatever and that's the value that you can add to them in the moment as as their leader um, yeah. is isn't always let me speak to Dave in finance you, you know you know to to one block block that for you sometimes the blockers are about them as an individual I think the case, sorry, the key skill in that as well is 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 being able to extract that information because I think yeah. lots of people that same one to ones, you know, my, my view is always this: expose yourself as much as you can. The more you expose yourself, the more chance you've got of getting the right support in the right areas at the right time. But so many people hide behind that, you know, and maybe when I was younger, maybe when I was going through my career, maybe it's easy to say that when you own your own company and you've run business for a long time, maybe it's easy to say that, but, and and maybe I didn't do that either at the time. But honestly, if, if I was to say to anybody, one of the key things, key components to being successful is expose yourself as much as you possibly can do. Because when you do that, what you do is you you give yourself an opportunity to learn off others. People are able to see insightfully and help with it. Whereas so many people just don't want to say what that blocker is and getting that information can be really tricky at times. Yeah, and I, I just, I think we also have to remember we're dealing with whole people, not just a... A person who comes to work and does a recruitment job or a development job or, or a marketing job, anything, it's the whole person is there. So you need to talk to the whole person about everything that's happening in, you know, and sure that you're right, Zach, people don't want to open up necessarily, but at least, you know, look, if you want to talk about anything, it's all confidential anyway, so why not? And sometimes they will, so. Yeah, I think, you know, lead, leadership is a, is a real skill and there is so many different aspects to it you know and and there was a part of my the time in my career where I spent a long time backing out tech so so what sometimes happens is um if I think about like engineers for example your best engineer you turn them into a people leader and then they're not your best engineer anymore because you've like you've just distracted them from doing what they love and what they're best at. And so you've got you've got a choice to make. You know, you either really invest in their leadership skills and say, I'm I'm investing in because you want to be a people leader and I believe in you being a people leader, or you create a career path for them where they can excel at being a technical expert, if you like. And you don't confuse the matter with being a people leader. Do you see what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, no, totally, totally. And I've seen it a million times throughout my career in recruitment. I'm the top salesperson. I want to manage everybody. But they're the top salesperson because actually they're probably a little bit driven for themselves, a little bit selfish in that respect. Not always, but ultimately, you know, most really, really top salespeople are very much about, right, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. So then they forget about that leadership part and I can teach them how to do the job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, well, what about my career development? Yeah, 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 just do the job, (laughs) you know, because they're very much driven in that particular way. So not always the best salespeople make the best leaders, but vice versa, everyone's got a place. They could sort of arguably be some of the best trainers in development in a particular field, but not necessarily in a career development field. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it happens all the time that it's a totally different skill set as as you were saying victoria that leading and you do have to invest in it and you know i i've seen some great tech leaders or you know 
and they've not necessarily been the brilliant, the best technicians at the time, and vice versa. Some some great technical people have gone up and into leadership roles, and that obviously wasn't their forte. And we value that leadership, above you know financially and it, the status it brings so much that people think that's their only choice. Both their either their their boss or themselves, and they they force themselves to do it. And I wonder is there you know space for being people saying like in my role now I have a leadership role but I'm also hands-on doing doing the job and it kind of gives me an opportunity to still stay relevant to the tech tech side of it and then I you know I can work with people rather than just lead and I, I don't know if there's a space for that in the in the tech or in other spaces but then but then John then what's quite interesting about what you're saying then when they get put into that position, it's not quite right for them. Then they become frustrated within that role. How many times have you seen it? I mean, you must have seen it a million times with developers that want to become development managers. And then after a couple of years, they're like, I just want to develop again. <laughs> you know, because they, they become frustrated within that role because actually it's not the right role for them. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, when they say I want to become a development manager, well, do you, or do you just want to move on in your career? So, you know, or, or what is it that you're trying to, that you're trying to get at because you can you know without actually physically managing a team and having direct reports you can still be a thought leader you can still be a really awesome mentor you know you can you can still be a really fantastic expert without actually having direct reports yeah i think that mentorship was the word that i was kind of struggling for before because i think that is the you know that's value that you're adding to that to multiple individuals without necessarily having the the work or you know, the overhead of maybe being a leader which you know is a lot of work as you said it's a full-time job leading people like obviously so, so you know but mentorship is something that you can do and then you you know dip in and out of can you i think to, to a certain extent i i think that one of the key skills that i've learned over time is you know going back to this point i think we all think that we can do everything and when you're a leader you think you can do everything however one of the key things that you learn is whether you step into an md role or just a manager role or whatever it may be you need support around you as well and you need you need lots of support you know in my role now you know i i, I push on marketing i have an external hr partner i have a legal partner i have a coach i have a mentor you know i've got like three or four or five or six different areas that i can go to at any point and for me that's acknowledgement if you can't do it all you might be the leader but ultimately there's so many different facets to that leadership that you really do need to make sure that you get the right support. And that's about, again, exposing yourself because I think a lot of people think they can do it all and then they get it all mixed up. Yeah, you're so, so right, yeah. So Victoria, I, I know we're running short on time a little bit. So I just wanna, if I can ask you some top tips for anyone listening, uh, business owners or anyone in, in the roads, what should they be doing now? We're kind of post-pandemic, aren't we? Or we're getting there, fingers crossed. And return to office is a big topic for a lot of people. Um, that's a change, obviously, as well. So what advice are you, you know, would you give to people now to manage that change and, and basically do a good job of it? I think to check in with your people. So I would say that, right? Because that's that's what I'm all about. But, but genuinely go and check in with them. Take a temperature check. Understand what's on their mind. If they're worried about things, find out what that is. If you can do something about it, do it. If you can't, tell them. I think a lot of businesses, what I'm hearing uh, and seeing is about offering choice about how 
if and how they go back to work uh, to the office um if you can't give them a choice and you need them back in the office tell them you know just just provide some clarity and some support around that and listen I think yeah. that, that's the thing because communication in business, we all say, oh, we're, this business needs to be better at communication. And then they go, right, we need to send more emails. Like, no, that's not communication. That's one way broadcasting is what you're doing there. You know, you need to listen as well, which obviously point of what your business is and the, and the platform that you provide. But so do you, do you recommend then people, you know, say they go and they go do the service You say, let's say they're lucky enough to have a choice of whether they work in an office or not. So they say, what, what do you, we're thinking about doing a hybrid or fully remote or whatever, what do you think? And then get people's feedback and then go, right, we've listened, we've decided we're doing this. What do you think of that? Like, is that is that how you would go with it? Just like, and as you get closer to the time, people might suddenly have a, a wobble and change their mind. Is it this constant checking in, checking in that, that needs to happen? I think so. What do I think about that? So I, I, um, some of the questions that I've uh, done with clients recently have been really open-ended. Things like, I'm going to butcher these now, so forgive me, but things like, you know, what would your ideal working um, situation be, you know, in the future? Definitely butchered that, didn't I? But you know, you know what I'm getting at. So really open-ended questions. That What that does is it really prompts what's at the forefront of the mind. So, you, you know, you're really getting at what's really important to them at that point in time. Then gather all that feedback together. You can make some decisions. You, you're right. You can then go back out and say, look, we listened. Here's what the decision is. And I think what you were kind of saying there was, you know, do you evolve it over time? I would stick with it for a period of time. So, you, so they've got some clarity. They've got some stability. And then, you know, if in a period of time you feel like, We'll just get you know and you can you can explain that narrative we're coming back out to you because this has been a change and, and we now want to go again and check that it's that it is yeah. you're still engaged with us how are you feeling and maybe ask that question open again yeah because you can't please all the people all the time right so if you make oh. a change you're obviously going to upset someone is not going to be happy so yeah there's no point trying to tweak the message or change it or, or whatever you just have to live with it yeah and and you're gonna you know, you, you got to be consistently fair. Is that, I don't know whether that's a, that's a bit of a vague term, I guess, but you know, if you, if you're asking everybody for their opinion and then you go with the consensus or whatever, whatever, just to portray the narrative, you know, so that people understand how you've made that decision and that they were a part of that decision, even if it's the, not the decision that they wanted. Yeah. No, I understand that. So, Victoria, what, what was the decision-making behind working with WhatsApp in particular? Right. So, um, <laughs> it's to do with being sick to death of email, really, honestly. So, um, <laughs> what we... what when uh, WhatsApp for Business was um, opened up and we saw the potential in it, we knew how engaged we were with WhatsApp and how often we were using it. We were like, oh, do you know what? Actually, wouldn't it be quite a cool and engaging experience to do, to get feedback via that platform rather than it's another email that sat in my inbox. So we're kind of, what we've built is an experience that generates a bit of an enga- a, a bit of engagement whilst you're trying to build engagement, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Do you get, <laughs> do you get any kind of... Um 
pushback against because obviously you've got people's personal numbers you've got to use and also people do kind of see it whatsapp as their personal you know it's a, my personal space right it's what i use for social stuff i don't want my employer messaging me on there we're not messaging all the time um it, you know and and most most of our clients actually go through a self-registration process so the employer all give consent in in that way um there is alternatives if you really don't don't like uh, what's happened we're building out the the future pi, uh, product roadmap or will what you'll actually be able to do is go on and select how would you like us to engage you know pick your medium um so we're, we're really trying to meet the employees where where they already are yeah so so victoria do you think that people are opening up more because they're using WhatsApp, which is sort of seen as a social platform and they're, they're responding in a kind of more personal way rather than in a business context? Yeah, it's a really good question. And uh, the anecdotal feedback that we've got from end users is yes. Um, you know, because they're short, because it's already where they are, um, you know, they're making a cup of tea and just giving some, you know, some feedback that isn't on an email it's less formal you know it, it feels more authentic and what we talk about is making a habit out of employee engagement you know it isn't a big deal with posters on the wall it's just going and asking your team what what they think yeah do you get good response rates as well yeah yeah we Brilliant. do yeah yeah fantastic victoria bond from space hr thank you very much again for coming on the show it was really great to talk to you we got loads of insights about you your business where you've come from and what you're doing and we're definitely going to be following the story uh thank you our listeners again for joining in and please keep in touch with us via the usual places don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review thank you very much thank you thank you victoria thanks